0: Why, hello, friends. You're about to start an all-new issue of Geek and the City Radio. These next few weeks, however, are going to be a little different. We're going to open with uh, thanking our sponsors, because these are going to be film commentaries, and we don't really like to take a break during those. So, first up, a huge thanks to our longest sponsor over at Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. Uh, it looks like, the, you know, we might be... You know, in quarantine times for the long haul, so start planning now for your locked in the house winter entertainment. Get some board games, get some puzzles, get some role-playing games, get them now before, you know, every store literally runs out. Just watch. I guarantee board games will become the new toilet paper. That did not sound right, but you know what I mean. So... (laughs) Go to Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street. And while you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio. And then another huge shout out and thanks to Bridge City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. If you enjoy us talking about uh Star Trek, which you probably do because you listen to the show, and you'd like to know more ongoing adventures of the Enterprise or Deep Space Nine or Voyager, or really anyone who was worn red, blue, or gold then get yourself to Bridge City Comics. They have all manner of fantastic Star Trek comics, going back to some of the the classic uh, like DC and Marvel ones, maybe even some of the Malibu stuff, as well as the new stuff being put out by IDW. So go there, check them out. You can also find them online at bridgecitycomics.com. And of course, a big shout out to Revnat of Reverend Nat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with equipment so that we can keep doing these podcasts While we are all stuck in our respective homes, basements, living rooms, and what have you. And still make sure the show sounds wonderful. With that, let's kick off Trektober with this issue of Geek in the City Radio. One, two, three, It's been a long, long week. Why don't you spend some time with Geek? So
1: many issues today into which we must delve. We're gonna talk about the stuff that makes you scream and shout. Hit the red alert. We're going war factor
0: twelve. Thanks for pressing play. Why hello and welcome to issue five seventy of Geek in the City Radio. It's me. It's your old friend. It's Cybok. Uh,
2: oh god. You've you've totally thrown me off. I don't you, have wait a minute.
0: Oh
1: well, okay. We'll have I words don't have about a character. A
2: I'm not I'm not Kira.
1: No, just, you're not. You're Ensign Roe. Yeah, or you if could be anyone Medic. you're Roe Laren.
2: I could you be, be Captain Ambara Loren. See, oh, no, I, I, don't don't. Want to be, I don't want to be a Vedic.
3: Gross.
1: Be your Star Trek character.
2: All right, fine. I'm your other host, Captain Ambara Loren
1: And I am Ambassador Shraz Endeliv
0: Of the Andorian Mining Commission?
2: No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <The> of <Andorian, laughs> the Andorian. No, you're thinking of. Uh, uh, of the, the like Shrad. Oh, sorry. You're, you're confusing your blueskins. That's embarrassing. That's awesome.
0: Uh, And also, I'm Aaron. (laughs) Uh, So, we're... Such nerds. We are continuing with Uh, Trektober. This is our third week of Trektober. This week, we're going to be doing a commentary on season five, episode 24 of Deep Space Nine, nor Mm -hmm. uh,
1: a.k.a.
0: the one where Garrick goes all creepy killy.
1: It starts out Haunted House, ends up Psychological Terror. I kind of feel... Well, we'll get into it when we get going here.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, And the reason why we're dressed up is because when I logged in, Cable was in full Andorian mode, and Bean was missing, and she came back as a Bajoran, and they costume shamed me. (laughs) So I had to run upstairs and actually tear apart a shirt to pull off the bandana.
2: (laughs) Uh, I, to, okay. be, to be fair, have... I was not. No, there was no intent to costume shame you. I just took Cable's costuming as an excuse to also, like, throw something together that I've been well, meaning to do anyway, so.
0: Well, yeah, but I can't, you know, if I see two, I can't be the lone one without a costume.
1: I mean... Especially
2: not one Star Trek costumes.
1: Human is still a Star Trek costume. I guess. That's true, but... you
2: could have put on one of your jackets.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, those jackets are super hot. Mm-hmm. Super hot. As is my basement right now because I've been running the dryer all day.
3: Oh, Ugh. yeah. Brilliant okay. Content.
0: Well, should we just dive right in? Sure. Yeah, I think we're ready. All right. Here I'm all queued up. Starting in three, two, one. Morn. <laughs> and now... <laughs> oh poor <laughs> <laughs> I
2: know like when do you ever see him be that excited to have people coming in
1: yeah exactly only when he wants something in this particular case he wants someone to stay longer than uh, <laughs> five minutes <laughs> I do love the joke that the Klingon restaurant
0: is going to be quieter than quarters. <laughs> Which the Klingon restaurant was introduced during right after Way of the Warrior, I think.
1: I thought it was introduced early in the first season. Like there because they they had that uh, sweet stick.
0: Oh, that's right. Okay.
2: Has anyone ever explained the situation with why um um nog as to wear that uniform-colored headpiece on the back of his head?
1: Um, well, I think it's... Uh, I don't think there's ever an in-show explanation other I think it's than... A, it's a cultural thing, right? It is, that you wear a headpiece, it... and I'm sure that he chose uh, a, the color to match his uniform.
2: Right. right. Uh, did he wear well, a non-uniform one before he became a cadet?
1: hmm. Mm hmm. It, like, the the practical reason was that they never got the joinery for the back of Ferengi heads done very right. well. So that was their, their quick cheat. Mm-hmm. Um Quark is pretty much the only Ferengi regularly w- without the headdress. What about I never Rom? Realized that. I don't he remember is. Rom wearing one. Rom wears one. Yeah. Huh.
2: I believe you.
1: It was a really simple way to make Quark stand out amongst other Ferengi. Besides sense. his hair
2: besides his clothes, you mean?
1: Well yes. Well yeah. I mean all Ferengi have a certain sense of style. They're like there's a certain you have to look like you don't need money in order to make money.
2: That's true. Uh <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna go down that road.
0: Yep. <laughs> I look like money right now. Mm-hmm. It takes money to get to Shakari. That it does.
2: That it does. Maybe. Sure and, I just look like like and a starship. Demos, so. Start, useful. Useful mm-hmm. to have for sure. <laughs> I missed. I miss watching Ben Cisco. I
1: and this episode's got the least amount of Ben Cisco. I right? know. Yeah, and that was it. You're done with him. Yep.
2: Disappoint. Same Um, with
1: uh, Major Kira and uh, Jadzia. uh,
2: (laughs) Norm says that he's like perfectly, or he's halfway uh, through season five, so this is like kind of perfectly placed for
0: that. Oh, nice. Norma Kaser, if you're worried, this doesn't really have any bearing on any overarching story. It's very much a ship in the bottle one shot. Yep. Um... I like this part because this is any normal episode of Trek. None of these characters would have any real lines other than yes, sir or whatever. Yes, ma'am.
2: Yeah, but like, so who's this, this blue is- dude? I've never seen one of these guys.
0: He's yes, a Bolian. You literally saw one last week during Adams, The yeah. barber. Mott the barber is Mott bullion. Mott the barber is Bolian.
2: I'm looking that up. I don't remember him being blue.
1: Yep. yep. Uh, they, they are named after Cliff Bowl, who is a... <laughs> Producer, designer, I forget what he does on the show, but like his name, you'll see the name Cliff Bowl in the credits a lot, yeah. and the Boleans are named after him. Yeah. Also, a moment.
3: Okay.
0: This is the first appearance of the Starfleet rifle after First Contact because they debuted in First Contact. This is the first time they've been on TV. Oh. Which is why O'Brien later on has an old school phaser rifle. They hadn't made a whole lot of them yet. So there you go. Anyway, as I say, I like that scene because it gives you a chance to slowly get to know and have thoughts on characters that are clearly going to die once you know this episode.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, uh, like like any horror like you have to sort of introduce <coughs> each of the archetypes.
0: Yeah. The scared
1: nerd. The jock.
0: <laughs> scared nerd. The jock. Um, the, the, the completely tropey badass chick. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, and Mr. Congeniality.
0: Uh, ah, yeah, there he is. Yeah, I. Yeah, no, you're right. Nice.
1: <sighs> yeah, he's friendly. He chats to everybody. Mm-hmm. He's got a hobby, which means which he's is... got to be the first one to go. Spoilers. Uh, you oh, know, it's yeah.
2: funny. Is I mean, obviously, Nog is the scared nerd, and yet this is an episode where you don't get any of Aaron Eisenberg's uh, weird screaming. It's, it's like she... high pitched screech
1: he's not the, the scared nerd in this episode the scared nerd is the bullion yeah Huh. okay um he, his role in this episode is the best friend right the one that like the hero has to save yeah wow right, Aaron? i hadn't thought about this before now but you're right these are all horror movie character tropes yeah, yeah Like.
2: Go ahead. Uh, Dean. I was like, I didn't process it like that at all. I wasn't thinking about the archetypes when I watched it the first time.
0: Yeah. Oh, he's and he's the younger friend because O'Brien is the mentor. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Also, it was fun to see them in that sort of in that sort of like little brother, big brother dynamic. Yeah, that's, I, I
1: think that's a better. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to yeah,
0: look that's at good. it. I do believe this episode is written by uh, Brian Fuller, who would later go on to create Discovery. Oh. Uh-huh then be subsequently let go but you know
1: yes
2: oh I will admit something Aaron since I I kind of pick on you for this Um, when I was watching this with the audio on turns out uh, I actually do get a little emotional about that uh, that theme it's a really good theme
0: Mm. oh Mm -hmm. DS9 Mm
2: mm-hmm
0: yeah no it's dun-dun dun-dun-dun-dun it's no rock and enterprise theme but it has its place Actually, no. I DS9 theme is also my favorite theme.
2: Well, and don't forget, this is later season, so you get the drums. Hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It's very like, oh, here they go. Uh, here's another thing I've never seen before: is this like pseudo chess or like jacks? It looks like they're playing jacks, where they like f- throw a thing and pick things up.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, it's totally Contra. created
1: just for this one. No. Oh. Um, yeah because it doesn't ever show up again no ever but like you get the idea that it's chess or go or stratego it's your basic game of strategy that uh, it it would be the same thing if he they were two humans and he was talking about I want you to play I want to play chess against you
0: Um, I also forget that this this is before Rocks and Shoals. And anyone who knows Rocks and Shoals, it's when... Yeah. Well, it's the one, it's where, yeah, after that, Nog refuses to let Garrick ever stay behind him ever again. Really? Huh. Yeah. They even reference it. They said, he says, I would rather if you did not walk behind me due to that unfortunate incident. And in Garrick summoned Siles, Ensign, there may be hope for you yet. <laughs>
1: Yep, here's Mr. Congeniality. Yeah.
0: It it would be I mean, I guess it's because I've got my twentieth slash twenty first century mentality. When he talks about collecting relics or whatever, I'm like, Oh, he's a he's like a war profiteer, but I was like, uh, it's probably not it. <laughs> not with this character. He just kind of probably likes to collect things for like, you know, a Starfleet scrapbook.
1: Uh, mm. yes, except that these things come off of soldiers. Right, yes. So, like, I immediately went, oh, okay. That's, uh, like, like when we went through that museum, talking about flags.
2: It doesn't um, have to be for profit to still be considered, you know, it's war trophies. Yeah. That's, trying to decide if that's better or worse than war profiteering. <laughs> mm.
1: It's neck and neck, I think.
0: Yeah, that's true. Right,
2: because one one is for profit and one is about idolatry.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Also, how come...
0: Trying to see here, none of the... Because it's it's two engineers and two security. I don't think any of them are actually wearing uh, rank pips.
2: I thought they were all engineer.
0: No. um, The jock and the badass woman are security. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the engineer, that one engineer says, "Hey, how often do we get to carry phasers?" Right. And he and the woman are both like, "Don't worry, we'll still protect you." Mm-hmm. Silly. Is that engineers. what she
3: said?
0: Basically,
1: yeah. yeah.
3: Hmm.
1: Fleet does the flying. We just do the dying. Right. Doesn't quite work, but yes.
0: This is one of those, like, it seems like an expensive episode, but it's not. Because they literally just, all right, clear the set. Mm-hmm. Turn some film, junk around. Yeah, whenever you have to film the stage from the outside, let's tilt I'm the just, camera.
2: Just turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. Like, this is probably,
0: well, this is probably just a rebuilt, uh, like, a redesigned sick bay. Yeah. And they just put glass domes over the tables.
2: Well, that's the thing. This is the same sort of, and Puck is the same sort of structure as Deep Space Nine, right?
0: It okay. is indeed. I, c- mm-hmm. I can't
2: think of what it was. What it used to be called? Empak. Uh,
0: DS Nine was Teroknor.
2: Teraknor. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah, I wasn't going to get there. Um, so you really don't have to do much because it's the same type of building. Yeah. Station. Let's
3: see.
1: Yeah, that's why it's a bottle episode,
2: right?
1: So yeah, the chief's rank pips is not a rank pip. It's a designation that. Make that says he's a master chief.
0: Right. Which is a rank, it's just not an officer rank.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: It's um, an NCO. Right. I know it's a weird thing to be like I like, like I just want some kind of costume consistency.
1: I hadn't noticed that they weren't wearing pips. No, none of them are. Which um, would also mean that they're enlisted.
0: Two of them mentioned graduating
1: the Academy together, which
0: puts them as officers because enlisted don't go to the Academy. Star Trek's never been really hard and fast and all that shit works.
1: This is true. Well, now I'm just going to be looking real closely for pips. Pips and pips
0: and pips and pips. Kibbles and pips. Yep.
1: Here's the scared nerd. Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I still think the DS9 set is still the biggest uh, soundstage Paramount had ever built for, like, a show. It's a big set. That makes sense. Yeah. In the chat over on our YouTube page, uh, Norm is already making Starship Troopers quotes, which is to be expected.
1: (laughs) As Um, is tradition. That's it.
0: And yes, uh, Norm, these are first contact suits. I mean, I don't know if I'd call them recycled suits since it's all Starfleet, so they're all going to have the same suits,
1: you know. That's not entirely true, as we've seen.
2: They have different uniforms. Why wouldn't they have different air suits? That's not what they're called.
1: No, no. Like, the uniforms is what he's talking about. These are first contact uniforms. No, no. He was talking about the space suit. Oh. That you see you see
0: Garrick wearing oh, he that walks Garrick it the is first wearing. time. yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. that makes more sense.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Uh, Zach says it's important to remember that Star Trek is generally written by people who haven't been in a military.
1: Mm. That's true. Point. Which makes me wonder a lot about lower decks if there is someone on staff that's been in the military. Because I've I've had um Folks who've been in the military talk about the fact that lower decks is probably the closest <laughs> thing they've ever seen to serving on an actual ship.
0: Yeah, that's what my Where friend. Where you've said. got
1: these people who are like really good at their jobs who just fuck around. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what I, Ryan I found told it too. a lot
2: more. I found it a lot more relatable in that aspect versus other other series. But I didn't really think about it in that regard. Like what made it more. I, I was it was easier for me to buy into versus mm-hmm. yeah. you know some of the other ones. Uh, we we talked past it, but you had it there that um, the the bullying guy finds that that regimental, regimental piece, and you can see like the way he performs that scene. Um, mm-hmm. That's that sort of like genuine excitement of like, oh my god, this is such an amazing find. He kind of looks like he wants to keep it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then- it's not for him. Yep. he's thinking of it for. His buddy. Oh, was he? For yep. him, the guy talking, yeah. That's the guy who does collect
1: stuff. Ah. He's the popular kid. He, everybody loves him. He's great. Of course, he's going to get killed first.
3: <laughs>
1: but he's also the nice guy. Like, oh mm-hmm. gosh.
0: Yeah, she used to streetwise, you know, Starfleet offered her a way out. That's kind of the
1: vibe she gets. She has something to prove. That's right. She's the the strong female character trope. That's right. The other guy, he just likes to kick ass. Mm-hmm. And take names. Hell yeah. To compensate for receding hairline.
2: No.
0: I do dig the uh, the phaser rifles that they incorporated. Just as a design, I think they look, I think they're good looking. Mm-hmm. I think it's also the first time in a, like since TOS that a phaser rifle isn't essentially just a hand phaser that's had more power plugged into it. That's kind of how... It's kind of neat. That's how Star Trek's already done phasers for Starfleet. Mm-hmm. They just get bigger because they're modular. You just add on to them. Hmm. Yeah.
2: But that doesn't necessarily make them more powerful. I mean,
1: I think it's supposed to. I I think it just... um, It doesn't have ammunition, but it does have a charge. Yeah. So a type one hand phaser. Are are type ones the tiny ones or they the pistol? Type ones are the tiny ones. Type
0: two is the... the So the type
1: ones have like maybe two continuous hours of energy. Something, yeah. Um, the pistol grip ones got like 8 hours of continuous energy and the phasal rifle would probably have 24. Right. Okay. Because it can store like you can put more storage cells on it.
2: Sure, sure. Okay. I'll I'll buy that.
1: Cuz other like it's not an ammunition thing.
2: Right. No, that makes sense. You would you were oh. just saying they were more powerful and I'm like thinking okay but only like the core part of it would be where the, the power draws from so like nice. if you like attach a longer muzzle end or like a bigger butt stuff I'm thinking of it in a very like traditional weapons mm-hmm. sense yes. and I'm like you can't make a gun stronger by putting more shit on it
0: unlike the no, rifle that really. Nog has which is stronger
2: but that's that's the way like, that is right it's like true Americans design, we have to spend eight
0: minutes talking about a gun during this episode <laughs>
2: Oops.
0: I know, it's funny. Oh, I miss Aaron Eisenberg. He put so much heart into that
1: character.
2: I know, I got sad when I saw him for the first time on this one.
1: Yeah. I think the, the episode where Nog makes his impassioned plea to Cisco to uh, get a letter oh. of, to join Starfleet Academy, that was yeah. that was, I think, the day that Ferengi changed for me. Like my attitudes towards Ferengi as a race, and as characters change, I'm like, I don't think I know who these char- these these people are, right? Mm. And sure enough, that was part and parcel of the entire uh, shift that Quark's right. family had on the Empire.
2: Everyone but Quark.
1: Yeah, which is still also. Like there were things that Quark did that were already not traditionally for. Oh, we're gonna,
0: we're gonna miss one of the first really good kills mm. though.
1: Oh, here we go.
0: Yeah, because this is it, this is totally like, you know, what? I don't even know if this is Haunted House. This is being stalked by Jason Voorhees, kind of thing. Hmm. You know, tch, 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 tch. you thought you heard him there.
1: This is the Hills Have Eyes.
0: That's even better. Yeah. Because like, you're yeah. being
1: stalked by crazy people. I
0: was going to say house, Last House on the Left, but Hills Have Eyes is yeah, better. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Last Similar. House on the Left. Yeah. Well, I'll just put my phaser back in its holster. It's like, <laughs> and oh, turn why, my
2: back. <laughs> why thinks like that. an
1: engineer, not a soldier. This is true.
0: I mean, it's really well shot. It's kind of hard for Star Trek to, up until I would say actually Discovery... It's always been hard for Star Trek to pull off, because it's all—it's you know—it's the future. Nothing scary anymore. Like that's a legit jump scare. That's good. Oh, I love the the dangling feet. Is such a good effect.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Also, for Trek, that shit was savage. There.
2: Just, just threw her right just off. Fucking threw yep. her
1: over. There's their first two kills,
0: I mean, eventually we get a fall on just like a neck crack, like these Cardassians mm-hmm. are not messing around <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
1: <laughs> What was that? Huh?
2: did you what was what?
1: I thought I heard a weird little growl. It's someone out on the street coughing. Okay,
0: good. I was like, "Wow."
2: I just turned the audio up a tiny bit on my video, and I and I at the right at the moment that I heard that coughing, and I was like, "Can you hear my video right now?" <laughs> <laughs> I got the black lung pop.
0: Yeah, Norms with me. This is Cardassian Jason Voorhees. Yeah,
1: that, that's a or the hunted or yeah i mean michael myers yeah definitely
2: right you were saying haunted house earlier but it's really more it is more of a uh, pursued situation yeah i mean
0: my memory is haunted house because it's basically an abandoned creepy space station so that's where i went initially
1: but but it's more slasher film yeah yeah you're never with.
2: being you're never being pursued by a slasher at like the mall while it's open
1: no but i I'd, I'd watch that movie I don't know which malls you go to, but I mean Lloyd Center is Lloyd's basically a slash. I moment. was
2: at Lloyd Center it about is. a week ago, and I was like, "Holy shit, this place is even more depressing than ever before." I was going to say
0: how good Andrew Robinson is at going kind of like he's not going crazy; he's showing the effect of the drug. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like he yeah, just that's... amps up. He just amps up his natural paranoia.
2: Yeah, he's like a little bit more like. Paranoid lizard, the yeah. sweat, the scratching.
0: I love this scene. You'd like to shoot me. God. He's so
1: good.
2: With that expression facing uh-huh. the camera, looking away from the guy he's talking yeah. to. That's a this baller move.
1: You, yeah. It's where you remember the, oh, right. He was in Hellraiser.
2: <laughs> oh, I don't think right. I knew that.
1: Oh yeah, he's um, Christie's father. How
2: this then... never come up before?
1: Oh, huh. I guess be- probably because I always
2: is he the
0: guy I that has of... the
1: line "Jesus wept." Yes, because he's he's uh, Christie's father, who then gets killed by her uncle, who came back from hell, right. and her uncle skins her father and wears his skin. So when the Cenobites catch up to him and he does the whole Jesus of sign, he's wearing um, an Andrew Robinson suit. Right.
0: You know that actor improv, that line? That is not in the script. He ad-libbed it right
1: there. So Andrew Robinson ad-libbed that. That makes a lot of sense. Uh Uh-huh. Well done. yeah plain and simple Garrick is definitely one of my favorite characters from this show. if you ever get a chance, uh read the stitch and time book that he
0: wrote. It's post season huh. seven, all about him trying to help Cardassia
1: rebuild. It's actually very good. That's one of my favorite faces <laughs> that Garrick makes oh his little side the
0: the like, it's the I know you know. But do you know that I know that you know that I know?
3: Huh. <laughs> huh.
0: Is it just me, or is the makeup on the two kind of, whatever, resurrected Cardassians? Do they look more feral? A little bit. And the way they're shot, also. You know, mm-hmm. everything's underlit and...
1: yeah it like it still does yeah. knowing that it was brian fuller that wrote this that makes a lot more sense that this does have the horror movie tropes to it right including the lighting and how things are shot right which meant they he probably had a hell of a time going crap how do i end this it's still star trek <laughs> <laughs> right
2: Slick.
0: The, I've also noticed the, the score to this episode Has a very Has a subtle kind of Michael Kamen in the Die Hard Vibe to it It's got a lot of dun, 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 dun. Like with McLean sneaking around And they're playing that kind of Just that little background stuff mm-hmm. It's got a very similar vibe mm. With like nods to like the original Predator movie which had to be intentional by the composer. I can't imagine it was not intentional.
1: (laughs) I do like that. This is a, this does carry over with, um, the backstory for chief O'Brien that he was not only is he a non-commissioned officer, um, Mm -hmm but the reason that he's rose in ranks to um, Master Chief is that he is a war veteran of the Cardassian Federation Border War.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we had a long discussion about that. It's from the episode The Wounded. It's the Mm -hmm. first time they bring it up.
2: Right. I'd forgotten about that.
0: He's got that line that I don't hate you, Cardassian. I hate what I became because of you. So I like that they call back that like he would rather just forget that part of his life,
3: mm-hmm.
0: because it wouldn't be Star Trek if you weren't torturing Miles O'Brien.
2: Oh, <laughs> that's that. That was another one of those like relatable, like post-war experience episodes.
0: Yeah, I remember you. And it's
2: one of those things that like they don't like to talk. People don't like to talk about, but it's 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 deep, and it you know it, like it has a lasting impact. And yeah, that was it was a good one.
0: Yeah. Well, I remember you had said you had inadvertently you were watch you watched it like on Veterans Day, so it was like, well, this is a weird combo.
2: Yeah, it just like happened to be that week because that's yeah. when we were going to watch it. But um, yeah. <laughs> Veterans Day is about more than, you know, sales and barbecues.
0: Right.
3: <laughs>
0: I like how the, the Bowling engineer is clearly just talking so he can try to stay calm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's the, fill, fill, fill the silence with noise, please.
1: But he also still has, it, has the wherewithal to understand, oh, I just thought Garrick was a tailor. <laughs> Right, thus giving even more credence to the officers officers don't tell the lower ranks anything
2: <laughs> oh that's right like most people wouldn't know all these like little slightly less than secret facts about about Garrick and what mm-hmm. he what he's done before he was the the tailor.
1: yeah on like the, all their the station yeah all the commissioned officers know that He's former Obsidian Order, and should like <laughs>
0: knows and even exactly. For the Obsidian wh- Order did shady stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, circling back to the O'Brien stuff, Sack uh, points out that a lot of writers uh, during the '90s were working through the issues that they had to deal with uh, because their fathers were vets. So I know no. that, like, I know that oh, uh, the is... chat keeps drawing some similarities between uh, Vietna- Vietnam. War allegories.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. I hadn't. I hadn't considered that.
2: And the reveal.
0: Oh man, it's so good. This is that moment where, like, you're watching it the first time and you realize the show's got like another twenty minutes, mm-hmm. and they've killed the two Cardassians hunting them. Mm-hmm. And. You get the impression that that Garrick's going to go bad, but not this. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Because you always feel like he's going to go bad. Like that's part of the appeal to his character.
0: Right. So that he always pulls back. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: This might be the best scene, by the way.
0: The part where he tells him, like, not only did you fail, but you grabbed the wrong part. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. Which is such a very Garrick thing to do.
2: It's a classic, like, re- bad guy reveal in a lot of horror movies where it's like this sort of benign statement. But he's saying, he's killing you. And you're like, oh, my God, it was you all along. And now it's too late because you're killing me. Right. It was you.
1: The call is coming from inside the station. It's right. Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: well,
1: of course it is. There's no other ships. Where would it come from? Here in space.
0: I don't think he needed to have the line stabbed He could have been like, Garrick did
2: this. I know he's, he's saying an awful lot of stuff, you know, while he dies.
0: It's a, that's still a little, that's a, that's a mid to late nineties TV. still. like, okay, let's, let's assume the audience is really dumb. Mm-hmm. And remember, if they'd all listened to him on the runabout, they'd have played offense as soon as they found out that there were Cardassians running around.
1: hmm Yeah, here's where Chief has the old-style phaser yeah. rifle. So it makes sense that Nog would have it because he's been back on Earth at Stark League Academy. That would have been a recent issue. Yeah. Issue. And he's he's probably trained on it more than current
0: servers are serving people are because they got like daily jobs to do and he's in the academy and they're like, here's your new gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Learn how to use it.
2: Well, I don't know, you're the one who's always saying that like Starfleet isn't really a military military. How much of their training weeks or months or whatever do you really think would revolve around weapons?
0: Well <laughs> It all depends how you want to read into it, because the whole thought process that after, basically after the first encounter with the Borg, and then leaning up to and through Wolf 359, Starfleet mm-hmm. gets way more militaristic because they know the Borg are still coming. Which they, so like, the, like the Akira class, the Defiant, like, they start designing ships for like one job, and it's to just stay in a fight as long as it can.
3: Mm.
0: And then the Dominion War happens.
1: I also feel like that they go back and forth. Like like when we're introduced to if you look at the timeline of like um Enterprise, uh Archer and his crew are clearly explorers. Right. They have to bring on um military personnel when they go after the Zindi. Um and then there's that whole speech about like, maybe we should be more military and you know, it starts going that direction. And then the war with the Klingons happens. And after that, that's when they start going back to, we're going to be explorers again. And yeah. it's not until the, uh like when you move from TOS to the movies, then it goes back to becoming very military again. Yeah. And then after undiscovered country, they go back, to, they swing the other direction and start going back to being explorers, which is where we meet Picard for the first time.
3: Mm.
1: And uh, then you, you're right, then, then they get the, the Borg storyline and back to military. Yeah. Back to, yeah, an offensive military.
0: And then basically, Starfleet's in a constant state of war for like a decade. They push back the Borg, then it's the Dominion.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't really—they don't really scale back until after the Dominion War.
2: What must that be like?
0: Right. Also, I love the fact that I don't know if this was in the script. I mean, it had to be by the script or by the director because it's a—it's a subtle but great little moment when Garrick finds communicator. He doesn't put it on his lapel; he puts it on his wrist, mm-hmm. just so eventually he can do that creepy like, talking into the mic, like, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't do that shot if it, if your communicator's, like, you know, on your lapel. Just already. It doesn't work. You have to have that, yeah. See? Much like a board game, he lured the beat.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Hey, polyhedral dice.
3: Yeah.
2: that uh, that room is the equivalent of a uh, where Cisco ha- keeps his office, isn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the attendance office. Yeah, because this is. All of this is ops.
3: <laughs>
2: oh, shit. Take that.
0: <laughs> Take that combo of go and chess.
1: <laughs> go chess yourself. hmm
0: I do like that. This also, I mean, yeah, he's under the drug, but it also kind of brings out his darker thoughts. You know, that means that there's a part of Garrick that is like, I've never met a human that has killed that many Cardassians. He was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of want to get to know that part of him, which is a weird thing with Garrick. But it, it all comes to a really good fine point in this episode.
1: And that's like, that's the arrogance of Cardassians. It's like we're the best at war. We mm-hmm. do all kinds of warfare, mental warfare and physical warfare.
0: Right there. Ah, oh, good shot.
1: Yep, there there's that, yep. that moment.
0: Like and I and I feel good like time. like if it was a Klingon war and O'Brien had killed like whatever, ten Klingons, Warf would have just been like well done. You fought with honor. And then like that would be it.
1: Yeah, someone would have presented him with a bat left by then.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like, well done. But with Cardassians, it's like, oh I need we this isn't over, you know.
1: hmm It's like you killed us. One day we're going to kill you. We just haven't figured out how yet. Right. I I, I am I watched this last week in preparation and I'd completely forgotten and it's dawning on me now. There is no B plotline to this episode. You're right. Nothing, which is kind of nice.
2: It would break the tension.
1: It would. It It would have ruined this episode.
0: Because this is one of those few episodes where it's okay if you spend 10 seconds with a character just walking down a corridor. Oh, it's fucked up.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, the last time Trek did this was what, Rathacon? It's just on straps. the reg- mm-hmm. regular station? Yes. Yeah.
1: Regular one. Mm-hmm.
0: Or even in the future, pulleys squeak if it's dramatically important. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hmm. Also,
0: apparently, this episode was good for auctions later on because they built so many tiny one off props. Really? That they were never going to need again. That huh. They were able to auction a lot of stuff off years later that didn't need to get reused. Oh yeah, Sack mentions he's given off a good Jack
1: Torrance vibe. I'm not making the reference. The Shining. The Shining. Oh, okay. That's why I'm not making the reference. I'm
0: not gonna shoot
1: ya. <laughs> I have still never seen Stanley Kubrick's The Shining.
2: It's the only Stanley Kubrick film I can really stand
0: Hmm. i hadn't seen this in a long time so i kind of forgot how it ended but i remember watching this and thinking oh here comes some of that starfleet star trek you know tech the tech endings
3: Mm
0: -hmm. you could never trust a starfleet engineer (laughs) They're 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 basically mages but with science
2: Uh, Zach was pointing out in the chat that there is a similar style episode to this uh, for Voyager where the A plot is uh, a psychotic hologram uh, but it does cut away to a B plot but the B plot on that one is uh, is Harry Kim just trying to like hook up with Seven of Nine
0: <laughs> I don't know if this is intentional or not but Meany, his fighting stance at the beginning is a lot like Kirk's from the original series <laughs> Huh, and I'm pretty sure Andrew Robinson was doing Tiger Claw. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool.
2: Well, he totally just did the double-fisted <laughs> swing just now.
0: Yeah, well, you gotta have a haymaker and trick. That's the rule.
2: that you what that's called? Chop. Yeah. Boosh!
0: Never trust a Starfleet engineer.
2: Uh, I'm with the chat. I thought Doctor Sleep was really good. Yeah, but that's not Kubrick.
1: I haven't seen Doctor Sleep either. But it's either. the
2: sequel. It's the, essentially the sequel to The Shining.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: I th- I think it did a really good job of like kind of adding more in-world content. Right. Or or, or expanding on the lore, I guess.
1: Like this would have taken the show down a different road if this had been the death of Garrick.
0: Yeah, I did read like that was never once in the cards. Um and they intentionally give us four people we've never seen before because they're like, "Well, we need to kill off characters." It yeah, mm-hmm. we can't.
1: And now here's Doctor Bashir making his one appearance.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> he
0: still bought me my favorite uniforms. So this episode of...
2: make me really excited for my jacket coming. I know.
1: <laughs> oh, did you order one?
2: I did. Good. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Not counting the Discovery versions of the TOS uniforms. Those things look sharp as hell.
1: But you've <laughs> got to like the bright colors. I do. I I tend to I like I like the color. Yeah. These are I great. like the
2: color, but it would just like it would mean it means it would get like all us use in my wardrobe, I think. Right. So and the black and gray is gonna be like pretty universal.
1: I mean if money were not an object, I would buy one of each of their jackets.
2: Oh, okay. most definitely.
1: Yeah.
0: I do like that this shows that even though Garrick was 100% not in control, it's still like, I don't need you to go out of the way to defend me in my, you know, my inquest, but can you maybe tell the widow that, you know, my bad? i like that there's no way garrick's gonna hold any ill will for that
2: right no he's he's, not he's a wonderfully complex character like you know he's got all he's got this like dark past and that made it made him a really good candidate for being the one who kind of gets converted in this episode because Mm -hmm. like the worst parts of him came out because of the psychotropics Um, but at the end of it all he's still the kind of guy who's like Look, I know it's not, I'm not technically responsible for what happened, but, you know, I still feel bad. Can you please apologize to this person for me? Yep.
1: Right. And, and I, I appreciate that they go right back to the level of mutual distrust that they've had <laughs> for each other. Like, they respect one another, but it's like, I like you. I don't trust you, and right. I'm never going to. For Garrick, it's because it's like because you're the hero of Setlick tree. and for O'Brien, it's like you're a Cardassian. It's just it's not going to happen,
0: right?
2: Sack suggests that what he could have done is offered uh, to tailor some free funeral suits
0: for the people <laughs> killed. Well, mm, I don't know how well that would have gone over, Sack, but I like the way you think. <laughs> uh, so there it is, Empoknor. Uh, I, I rewatched it this morning. I mean, I always kind of dug the episode, but I forgot like how much I really do like the episode. Like it's it's really fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've seen this since it, the initial air date. Yeah, um, and this is a re- it was a solid episode.
2: Yeah, uh, it's my favorite one of the put th- three that we've watched now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far. I'd agree. I'm pretty I know you guys are pretty excited about this uh you know Zombie Vulcans one coming up next week but it is still an enterp- uh, enterprise episode oh. so uh, I, um I honestly
0: I, haven't seen it in years so I don't know how I feel about it anymore.
1: I rewatched it yesterday and I can say with um certainty that being this will remain your favorite episode of the <laughs> horror themed episodes
2: because the other one is still enterprise or for other reasons? Uh,
1: because uh, it, because it's fun, but it's not. It's not this episode. This episode was complex.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, once again, proving Deep Space Nine is the best trick. Yep.
2: I had a whole conversation with my sister where she was thinking about watching it. I mean, I was like, if you really don't, if you're like feeling really choosy or you don't, you're not sure you're gonna like it, you gotta start with Deep Space Nine. It's basically a legacy show for everything that you like in modern times. And, you know, I just gave her the whole spiel. And... Oh.
0: Now Denise gets to do her own trek Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. The student has become the master. Wait, that's the wrong franchise. <laughs> All right. So well, there
1: there's There Empire it is.
0: Well, Yay. from one Trek to another, I say we roll right into our thoughts on uh, Discovery Season 3, Episode 1. Oh, my
1: God. First off, it was awesome.
2: Whoa, man. Oh.
1: Just, like, it hit the ground running and then kept running. Yeah, it did.
2: Uh, I, I really and, thought and of it as, like, shooting. an um, like an emotion sandwich. Like, there was some, like, <laughs> emotional stuff in the beginning, mm-hmm. some kind of, like, you know, touchy-feely stuff at the end of the episode, and that's the bread. You've got your action. That's a little bit of meat. And then you've also got the humor. That's all like, I don't know, the cheese. Condiments. Condiments. Everything else. Maybe the
1: tomato. Mm -hmm. Tomato.
2: A good tomato on your sandwich is important. Mm -hmm. Heirloom, Um,
1: not hot house.
2: Correct. Opinions.
0: Um, I mean, I can't send raw tomatoes, but that's fine.
1: Sure.
2: For the rest of us. It's It's
1: a grilled tomato for you.
2: Mmm. Oh, delicious. Um
1: I uh I immediately wanted a crossover with um I want Burnham and Beckett Mariner to meet. And I want them to hate each other except when they're both drunk. <laughs> <laughs> because clearly that's when they'll get get along the best because drugged up Michael Burnham is fucking dangerous.
0: (laughs) Oh, she was great. I also love that it was basically this weird extended therapy session, but she had to be completely just off her rocker to do it. It was like this speed realizations. Mm Mm-hmm. You know? Which was pretty great.
2: Um, So what do we think is up with the cat? I know you guys had some theories. Man, I, um... What was her name?
0: Grudge. Grudge. Grudge.
2: I knew it was something with a G.
0: So, I mean, it, it could very easily be that it's just a cat. And there would be nothing wrong with it being, like, just a cat. That's just this character thing for, for Book. Um, mm-hmm. But me being, like, the big Trek nerd that I am, I'm like, oh, man. What if Book is, like, Gary Nine?
1: Oh, that was your... Uh, okay, I see where you're going. Yeah. Right. You did Seven,
2: say that. that
1: was, <laughs> I, and I forgot if they even
0: give the race about what Gary Seven is. I'm not, I don't, I'm not sure.
1: Gary uh, Seven was a human. Oh, he's
0: human, right?
1: Yes. That's right. The race that he works for is not and is never identified. Right. But they augmented him. Yeah. And Book... Book is clearly... I don't know that Book is human. I don't think he is. He's uh, humanoid.
0: Yeah, like, or he's, he's been a... augmented. Yeah, because he mentions. Because then, doesn't she ask him like, "Where are you from?" And he says a different plan Like, he he says like he's not Terran.
1: Or you right. know what I mean? <laughs> um, and he also like intimates that the power that he has is used. That connection with other life forces is used to hunt. Right and one a generation comes out as the reverse of that where all that empathy or all that connection to to life forces makes them so empathic they can't bring any harm
2: right um but is that um is that an attribute of of a particular race within the star trek canon or is it maybe or like is it some sort of like spiritual practice or just sort of a uh, not chemical but like a, an anomalous thing where like you know what, sometimes we just get a person who is like super empathic in this like magical way
1: they've gone from what the 23rd century to the 32nd century i yeah. don't mm-hmm. think they know <laughs> Yeah, like they, I mean, there's they a lot jumped... of
2: things that haven't changed. So I don't know. You guys yeah. are the experts here. Yeah.
1: Not in this. Like no. this is finally a Trek where we don't know. We have nothing to fall back on.
2: Yeah, I mean uh...
0: we get some we get some nods and stuff like you know, Andorians just... and Orions.
1: Yeah, but they've destroyed the Federation. They've done away with warp capability ships, and they have done away yeah. with uh, subspace communications. So no one is talking to anybody. Everyone is clustered into their own neighborhoods of space. We have no idea what's going on at all. Because they travel, well, there is still dilithium.
2: When you put the- it on a list like that, I, I'm like, wow, that's wonderfully prophetic. Not wonderfully, terribly. Because uh, um, they now
0: travel on the what? The
1: deliberately. <laughs> I think it's Quantum deliberately correct. Yes,
2: thank you. That that mm-hmm. is the correct word there. Uh Norm, by the way, is uh speculating that Book is just a, a new like subspecies of humans, I guess. Or well specifically he said he's a, a new species of humanoid. So just a different humanoid we haven't seen previously hitherto in the universe. Right.
1: Right. Like his powers seem to be closer in line to beta z betazoids.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this like, is way more than that, mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, and there was that that element of the, uh, his his people or his family are poachers, and so mm-hmm. he's he's right. the anomaly where he comes from, in that he's not down for that business. He's going to do the opposite.
1: Right.
0: Right. Um. Yeah. It is. <clears throat> It's funny, for as much as that show is maligned, Discovery likes to do a lot of nods to Enterprise.
1: Well, yeah, because that's the only show that they can fall back to. That's true. I never thought about yeah, it that. Yeah, it's way. the
2: only canon that they have. Um
1: mm-hmm.
0: Same with... I remember when I watched that episode, the, the, the kind of the busted up space station that uh, Adil Hassan was inside. Mm-hmm. Looks a lot like a version of the Starbase that Archer sees in the far future.
1: Yes. That that makes sense since this is post-temporal war.
0: Right. But I thought what Archer did in Enterprise prevents the temporal war. Wasn't that part of it? Or do they never really resolve that?
1: Um I think that what he does. Um, doesn't prevent the temporal war it helps resolve it the whole trick with there being a temporal war is it isn't contained to one point in time well right <laughs>
2: that is the rule with temporal wars they're sort of always
1: like clearly the people involved are in the future but uh, to everyone else in Trek but that was Basically, they're saying that that was the 30th century. Right. 30, 31, because they're 150 to 200 years past the burn, which came after the Temporal War. I was clearly paying more attention than I thought I was.
0: I need to to rewatch it again. I mean I I probably will anyway. I usually watch the one before the previous episode every week anyway.
2: And I don't really know that much about the Temporal War because we didn't it's a part of Enterprise that we really didn't spend that much time on.
1: No, right, because it yeah. was annoying as fuck. It was not good, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, all I, of my all of my reference for Temporal War stuff is other like, franchises. It,
1: it could have been fine, except it felt very shoehorned into the show.
2: Well like it was we, a terribly written show, so
1: I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah.
2: mm. Um I real I personally really enjoyed uh when Michael goes on her like mushroom acid trip.
3: Mm-hmm. Because
2: mm-hmm. she sort of like has her own little therapy session in the mm-hmm. middle of like people trying to interrogate her. And right. I think that like some of her inner be, but being spoken out loud thoughts were very relatable, I think, to a lot of people, specifically women, uh, women in leadership.
0: Yeah, and she's... I just,
2: go ahead. I was, no, I, I just, And I just really appreciated that. I thought it was very real.
1: Especially she's the got whole a, comments.
0: She's got a line that I love. It, I Now I've forgotten
1: it. I have to find it.
2: Um,
1: Is it the bit about being... Um,
2: Reflexively supportive? Yes, yes thank that you. one. And what is tired, that about? I am, I am tired overcompensating. Of being
0: reflectively supportive.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, reflectively.
3: That,
1: that one cut deep. Woof. Mm. That was a I'm in this scene and I don't like it.
0: Right. Yep. I was like, hey. <laughs> if I'm going to be in Trek, at least put me in a cool costume of the writer's room. Don't just throw me up there willy nilly.
2: It's funny because I was just today uh, reading an email from um, my volunteer group, Mm
3: -hmm. the group
2: that I volunteer with, and she was talking about how like in an effort to be super supportive all the time, the, the end result is that you're never dealing with your own shit. You're never letting your shit out for other people to see or support you. And then that piles up and you kind of like implode and that hurts the people around you anyway, which was part of why you were... Shutting down all your own shit to help other people.
0: Rude. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what.
2: It's just a, just that concept of like everybody no, needs I'm... help, so I'm going to give it except for me.
0: Right, not I... right. That's where I was like, "That's rude! How dare someone say that?"
2: <laughs> stop! Stop being relatable.
0: Yeah, but yeah, reflexively supportive. That was good. Um, I. I... <sighs> There's a couple of like nerd moments that knowing that writer's that writers room is super nerdy. Like they're incredibly talented, but they're hella nerdy also. Mm-hmm. So there are a few things. So like when Book repairs or starts to heal Burnham's um, phaser wound or whatever, and he pulls out a handkerchief. And when she actually says, you, you carry a handkerchief? I know he has a line of man to blow his nose. And I'm like, oh no, he's a man who always knows where his towel is. Like (laughs) that's your hitchhiker throw out there. And also the Andorian and the Orion just made me think of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern
1: every time I saw them. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good, uh, that's a good reference. It it is, it is funny to see the Orions and the Andorians working together. It's like green and blue. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I do appreciate that, uh, and and I use this phrase when I was texting both of you that uh, Burnham got boimlered. When was this? When she got eaten by the big thing. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then it spits her back out. <laughs> yeah. All I could think of is like, when they were filming this episode, did they sit down? Afterwards, and watch that first episode of Lower Decks, and went "son of a bitch, they stole our thing." Well, animate
0: what animation's done so far in advance. I'm trying to think.
2: I was going to argue. I'm like, they're too close together in release dates, but you're right. Animation like has a longer lead time for being done. Um,
0: Or it was just a hey, let's have fun, let's do it again.
2: It could just be that you know. Discovery, like I know, everyone like harps about how dark it is and all that, but they have fun. They have their humorous moments.
1: They do, and I think we're gonna get a lot more of those.
0: I think, yeah, this uh, this premiere also didn't feel dark to me at all. Mm-mm. The situation is dire, but this was one of the most hopeful episodes of Trek I have seen in years,
2: even despite the fact that she's. Centuries away from where she came from and she has no idea if when or how she's going to find her people there was not really much uh, by way of like sadness, darkness, sort of hopelessness at all and
3: um, not this... to mention Sorry,
2: go ahead. Uh, I said, not to mention the fact that like she's gone from being on a super advanced research ship with technology no one had ever even heard of yet and now she's running around with antiques. And doesn't Mm -hmm. know what anything is. What is the burn? What is this place? What is any of this? Right. It still wasn't like, oh no, this is terrible, terrible news. At least not yet.
1: Right. So um, there are a couple things. Uh, One, you know, that gets back into that whole moment of as soon as she touches down and confirms that there's life on the planet that she's on that immediately tells her it's like, then we were successful because there's right. life. And that, that was the thing that, yeah.
2: Yeah. That was the first time I was like, oh this is, that's pretty emotional. That was a very like yep. real performance there.
1: It, it was the confirmation that she needed to like, we did it. We succeeded. Um, the second thing is, is I've taken to listening to a new podcast that's called all the Asians on star Trek. And it is uh, hosted by Phil Yu, who is Angry Asian Man.
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, His latest episode, he speaks with, uh, I forget their last names, they're uh, Bowie and Erica. They were the EPs on Discovery Season 1, 2, and 3, and are the showrunners for Section 31. Oh, okay. And they admit that moving to them to the future has been on the books since season one. Huh? Because they went, Oh, we have a ship that has technology that no one has ever heard of. We have to get them out of the 10 years before TOS. Right. Otherwise it's never going to make it like we're going to spend too much time trying to reconcile that. But if they suddenly disappear. Right. And no one can talk about them. Then Perfect.
0: Well, and the only other ship that had it is gone. Yes. Um, yeah, the sister ship. And then Starfleet outlaws together. the Spore Drive completely.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, I forgot about that.
3: Um,
0: uh,
2: no, it does It does really allow uh, for them to kind of spread out a lot more because they don't have to stay within existing canon or just have right. like a bunch of retcon stuff the way Enterprise did.
1: Right. Which is the thing that so much of us have wanted. It's like, I want more Star Trek but I would like it in the future. I want something further past. And Picard is nice because it's, but it's still familiar characters and it's just longer in their timeline. This is... We're now in uncharted territory which I am excited for for season 3.
0: Yeah, and season 3 is kind of pulling off a... It was kind of, it's pulling off a narrative trick that Star Trek almost had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it was. It would get increasingly difficult for Trek to go into the future, while still while still writing dramatic stories using technology. If that makes sense, because as Trek advances, eventually everything just becomes magic.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: If you want to keep showing that humanity and the Federation just keeps evolving, well, eventually they're going to figure out something better than warp I event. Mean, I'm like, it's all those little things like tricorders are going to be implanted inside your eyes automatically. And you could just, you could just do whatever. So by breaking the universe, it allows you to go to the future and say, you know what? Now we don't have to explain well, how come warp drive never improved. How come, you know, subspace didn't get so advanced that you can just beam someone from one end of the galaxy to another. Like that's, clearly where it would all go, like, well, if we break it all, we don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And some might people say, like, it's, you know, that's a narrative cop-out, but you know, it's it's also maybe a necessity if you want to keep telling these stories. You know. This is true. In a future setting. Trek can tell parallel stories using like, you know, lower decks. It's, you know, it's essentially TNG light timeline. You know what I mean? It's nemesis whatever it's kind of it's in my head that's still tng it's tng movie timeline kind of yeah
1: it's tng um just 10 years before well 15 years before the events of picard right so we're still tng there you know Mm -hmm. so which is also that also makes me really uncomfortable
0: (laughs) what that we're gonna
1: that knowing that the that uh This is still that sweet spot of like, oh, everything is still great in the Federation. It's not going to be. It's not going to be real soon. Right. The the thing that uh, the two EPs talked about that I found interesting, considering what we know about season three, is that they are moving forward with section thirty-one, the show, and it is still going to star Michelle Yeoh. Right. Michelle Yeoh's character is still in the 32nd century on Discovery. Yes. So
0: she gets back?
1: But the Section, 30, yeah, the section 31 show takes place during um, Strange New Worlds.
2: Oh, so they have to give her travel access. Or at least just so the she, ones. Yeah, she's
1: she's got to get back to the past and we don't know how. But that, that's interesting. and she probably betrays the... them.
0: They all have a way to go to the well actually they know that they can never go back because if they go back the control can happen again, right? Because it's in the discovery.
1: Yeah, this the ship can never go back. Yeah. Right. Uh, and also
2: the suit which is no more is anyway, no more. but, is but right. for for that very reason.
1: Right. Uh, sorry, the EPs are Bo Young Kim and Erica Lippolt. Okay. And the two of you should really listen to this show. You would enjoy it greatly. They've we'll they've interviewed Kyun Young, who played Buck Bokai. Mm-hmm. They've interviewed Clyde Kusatsu. Um, and Reggie Lee. So, yeah, definitely watch it. It's only eight episodes up so far.
2: It's on my okay. radar. I guess it, the sooner... I listen to it, the sooner I will be caught up. Mm -hmm.
0: The the fun little bit of trivia that I noticed, although I think there is a one character exception, but they're very far in the background. This is the first episode of Trek Ever that doesn't have a single white person in it. Yep. Like, none. Uh, When we go to that Mm -hmm. planet where Book drops off the worm, there is one dude in the background that appears to be Caucasian. So that was he kind
1: of just be white passing,
0: yeah. That's why I said I, I say up here, so whatever, yeah. Well, someone did tell me, like, well, he's a redhead, though. I'm like, well, okay, come on, it's all right. yeah. that's not... mm-hmm. yeah. um, can we talk about uh, at least for me, how freaking emotional it was when uh, Michael swore Hussein in. And they, and they like lowered the banner together. I'm like, oh my God. It was so good.
2: That was a really nice touch.
0: It was really good. It was wonderful.
1: I, I think I described it to you in text as that, the emotional resonance of that moment would be the, the real life counterpart would be if a Star Trek fan who held close all the precepts of being in Starfleet and being part of the Federation was suddenly approached by someone from the future who was actually from Starfleet. Right. And basically said, it's all real. Yeah. Oh God, I know it. Like that, because yeah. that was his moment. It's like, I've heard of this things. So I was raised for it. I, that's all I do, but this is all I'm acting on faith. I have no proof. And right. for Burnham to show up and go, Oh, Nope you were you were officially a commissioned officer now right that was yeah
0: there, and there there is also an interesting parallel with what happens in that see, in that episode with uh in episode 2 of season 2 of discovery um with new eden um that's an entire planet of like true believers
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, you know, that you have the one guy that, he's a believer, but he's a scientist first. And, you know, Pike tells Michael, like, we can't tell him. She's like, we should at least let him know that he's not crazy. You know, give some kind of validation to what his entire family has believed since they arrived. Um, And this time she gets to do it. Mm-hmm um and i know that pike does it anyway but this is a different this is a different this is the way michael would have done it kind of thing um so i enjoy that parallel of those two episodes together with that um i am excited to see what starfleet ships look like because we are we do know there's some kind of starfleet
1: correct um theory
0: i mean there's something we see new badges even in the credit sequence
1: I Mm -hmm. I think that we also, there's going to be, like, everyone's speculating. It's like, oh, well, you know, where is the discovery? Or when's it going to show up? It's like long enough for Burnham to have grown out her hair.
2: It's going to be a couple years. I mean, I assume it's going to be the next episode. But it will have been, I'm going to say, five years?
1: Yeah. Uh, That seems like a a logical guess. Yeah.
0: Yeah, they're going to time jump a little bit.
1: Like storyline, what narratively they're going to do, right? Because, like, when they catch up to her, it'll she's going to know everything they need to know about this period in the future,
2: right?
0: Right. But I feel like they're going to be pretty well. I mean, I can't imagine the discovery just going to sit out there for whatever and for years and do nothing either.
1: No, no. I I mean, it's not going to appear for Burnham for another five years. Oh, I see what you mean. For them,
2: it will have been however long it takes to pass through the wormhole, but they'll come out at a much later time than Burnham did. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. like what happened with uh, the Kelvin timeline. Right. The Narada showed up, and then 20 years later, or 25 years later, the uh, uh, jellyfish.
0: Jellyfish, that's right. I remember it had a really dumb stupid name for a <laughs> ship, the Jellyfish. Come. On. But tell us how you really feel, Aaron. Come on, son. Jellyfish. The well, forge would have designed a ship and called it the Jellyfish. Fair. Very well. Very well. Thank you. Sorry. This fly is driving me crazy down here. It's a short uh, drive. but yeah, it's a. It it might be my favorite standalone like season premiere of Trek ever. So not counting like two parters that are followed up from a cliffhanger. Sure. As, like mm-hmm. a standalone premiere, it might be my favorite that I've seen in Trek to date. So.
1: It's certainly the most solid too.
2: Yeah, it's strong it's very strong yeah. um you were talking about the opening credits uh-huh. and the stuff that is new one that caught my eye and it could just be that i have a bad memory but i was pretty sure we've never seen before was these they look like little wally style robots with a starfleet emblem on the that front. was new
0: that was okay. new I they look so. like modified versions of the robots that can repair a hole that you see on the enterprise
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay um, I'm actually playing it right now to see what else stood out as being new. The phaser was always part of it, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Or maybe that's a but different that's a, style. A, but of it phaser.
0: shows new ones. Uh, dilithium is now red in the credits, and then yeah, you see the the, the new badge, the badge shift from the discovery to the new ones. And mm-hmm. they have
2: well, a, they they show a series of three badges
0: for each uh, department. department, and mm-hmm. something I love. I think they did it once. In a future TNG, the rank pips are on the badge.
1: They did that in the first season. That's what I thought that was. They did that in the first season of Discovery too.
2: Oh, that's right, yeah.
1: And then they I think they abandoned that because I think when they started making props for people to buy, they're like, Oh, we can't customize those that way. They just all have to be blank. Yeah.
2: I wish this wouldn't that the stupid pause minimizes the playback
1: i know it's
0: annoying because
2: there's there's a i think it's a ship but i can't really tell and i'm like this what is this and i can't share oh, it's screen. probably a
0: book ship the, the okay book, yeah that flies a lot like a bee wing so that made me giddy
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's you know it's kind of asymmetrical and flies on its side which doesn't make sense you know just no mm-hmm. sides in space but you know what i mean um Well, and we also get uh, a scene in, you know, this season on Discovery, one of the characters who's clearly modern Starfleet, they have that line of like, it's going to be weird living in a museum, you know, until he's like, uh, this is not a museum. He's like, uh, to you, you know,
2: (laughs) Oh no! So it, uh, it would suck to live in a museum. That's and it. Tilly is like, "No, that sounds amazing." And whoever that new character is is like, "That's exactly what someone who lives in a museum would say."
0: Right? Okay, that's it. Yeah, nice. Um, so yeah, that'll be good. Um, although speaking of Tilly, I adored Michael's line when she when she has a line. She's like, "I have a friend. You should never give this to her. Never let her have this." <laughs> oh my God.
1: And we all knew who she was talking about.
2: Oh, yeah. All did.
0: All did. So, yeah. I am super pumped. We only have to wait a mm-hmm. couple more days for the next episode. Hey. Um, as much as part of me loves, like, you know, the Netflix binging thing, it is probably better that CBS is releasing these on a weekly basis. Um, it it kind of allows you, lets you, like, mentally digest what you've seen.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: so i i think uh i think television binge watching is it's convenient but it is not a good way to watch series no
2: i mean i i do a lot of binging uh i'm i'm i've, ve- I've very much adapted to that model because i've been off of c- cable for like over a decade but um but certain shows, it, it is nice to, to be able to marinate on the one and kind of discuss it instead of immediately mm-hmm. diving into the next one.
1: Right. Like, like I certainly, like, I can put Shits Creek on in the background and and continue to work while enjoying the, the jokes that go on there. Mm-hmm. I don't always have to see the facial reactions uh, of those actors because <laughs> they're pretty much burned into my brain already. It's like, I know what Eugene Levy looks like when he's making that particular face. I know what Catherine (laughs) O'Hara looks like when she's making that face. And uh, what's the son's name? David? David. David's the character, but. uh, uh,
2: Oh, the actor. I don't know.
1: It's Eugene's son. Yes. Daniel Levy. um, That, like, I know all 16 of the facial expressions that he uses. (laughs)
2: That that show is a lot of fun. I've only watched it the once and I'm watching that final season right now.
1: I need to watch it still.
2: But I dole it out. I'm only watching like two to three episodes at a time and then I move on to something else. Right,
1: but it, it's one of those that f- it's designed for more binging where you can watch three or four episodes at once and you haven't lost anything versus an episode of Discovery or an episode of The Mandalorian, which is coming up at the end of the month. Um, I know where you want that to be a weekly experience because then it also allows you to binge watching things doesn't allow you to uh interact with your community and talk about it the way that watching it on a schedule t- like it's released every you know every Thursday or every mm-hmm. Friday you have to wait and you talk about it with everybody
2: yeah must right. see t v
1: mhm yeah. So I, I'm with you, Aaron. This is definitely my preferred way of watching Discovery.
0: Yeah. And like, like you both said, there are shows I definitely binge, but I'm enjoying the slower, the slower rollout for Star Trek. It's nice. And
1: it, when Merrick and I were catching up on season two, like we were still watching like one or two episodes at most. It wasn't, hey, we're going to watch all of it all at once. It's like, no, we're not. Right. We're gonna watch some episodes, and we're gonna talk about it for a week.
2: And, and as Norm points out, and I know it's sort of off topic, but almost on topic is uh, the you know with CBS doling out the episodes, even if they are only online for streaming, it maintains membership. As soon as uh, as soon as Discovery ends, uh, is when uh, the stand is premiering.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Good to know.
2: Which I definitely intend to watch because I've read the book. I I watched the the original miniseries, so I'm I'm interested.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely curious about this one. Plus, Whoopi Goldberg's mother Mother Abigail is really good casting.
2: Yeah, that'll be. I'm looking forward to that one.
0: Ooh, well, thanks for. I think we should we should wrap up
1: this week. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Uh, next week is uh, what's the episode called? Cable. Impulse. Impulse. Uh, That is where we will wrap up Trektober with Mm -hmm. uh, a commentary on an Enterprise episode. And then after that, we roll right back in the guests. Right, Bean? Is that it?
2: That is correct. Uh, I should have had my notes out for this. But um, hold on. I think I can do it by memory. On Tuesday, November 3rd, we just finished booking Monty Nero and Yishan Lee, who are the co-creators of a book called Frenemies. Uh, that's all I have off the top of my head. But um but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna review that book and, and zoom chat with both of them as guests.
0: That'll be Fantastic. awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, oh, so I saw something that will completely take us off topic, so I will say it after we wrap up the show and chat really quick. Okay. Okay. Take that, people. Uh, with that all being said, I am actually Aaron Duran, not sidewalk.
2: I'm actually Beanarita.
1: And I am actually capable
0: hachetai. And we will talk to everybody next week. Please, for the love of all that is holy, vote. Just vote. I mean, unless you're voting for Ted Wheeler, then then you can skip that part. Then
2: stay. Then, just well, skip that gonna one gonna little part. Stay home.
0: But... No, no, you got a lot of other shit to vote for. Just you know. Anyway. Vote. Watch out for, watch out for snakes. On an all-new Star Trek Enterprise, there is a darkness deep within the delving expanse, some say,
3: can drive a Vulcan mad.